You are listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. James Marshall is a registered investment advisor and president of Marshall Wealth Management. His registered investment advisory firm is registered in Texas and Kentucky. For 30 years, he has been educating, advising, and managing wealth for diverse families all over the country. This podcast is about different concepts of wealth building, some financial, some emotional, physical, and yes, some spiritual. The bottom line is you will leave with some knowledge, and knowledge is wealth. So whether you're walking, running, exercising, or having your choice of beverages, no judgments here, clear. Then open your mind and get ready for some life-changing financial lessons. It's your time. Here is your host, James Marshall. Welcome, Wealth Builders, to podcast number 33, Alternative Investments. Now, this is a bonus podcast, a little bit different from our usual format, but I think you'll get some good information from it nonetheless. You know, the investment world has changed a lot since I started in the industry as a stockbroker trainee back in 1988. We've gone from the basic stock bonds, cash, or commodities to some pretty complex financial instruments that only a few people really understand. The change seems to have started after the global market switched to an all-electronic trading format. Tokyo was one of the last uh, global exchanges to make the switch back in 99. And I tell you, computers have been plowing ahead ever since. And then came the advancement of derivatives, which are hedging instruments created to beat the market or protect underlying investments during downswings in the market. And if you think that sounds complicated and risky, you're right. Warren Buffett called derivatives financial weapons of mass destruction. And I agree. Like any weapon of mass destruction, if it's used for evil, it can be quite a destructive instrument. As a matter of fact, if it's used for good, it can be destructive. But it must be used responsibly. That's the key thing. Now, from this concept, we got collateralized debt obligations or CDOs and the credit default swaps. If these terms sound familiar, it means you were watching the news on September 15th, 2008, when the great financial meltdown began. And it went from 2008 to 2009. And that was a tough period. We were right on the edge of total financial destruction. It was, it was a scary time. And so now we have the latest fintech or financial technology creation, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. Bitcoin was released to the public sphere in 2009 by a person or a group named Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, basically, it's currency created by computer developers using advanced mathematics in a series of computers. It's called mining coin. Cryptocurrency is mined by a series of computers and tracked through a master ledger called blockchain. Are you confused yet? Well, if you're confused, you probably shouldn't be investing in it. But you should still try to learn about it because I do believe that cryptocurrency and blockchain is here to say here to stay it's not going anywhere it will become the norm at some point but just not right now you know it is such a gray area that not even the regulators know exactly what to make of it. It was not until recently what it was clear what Bitcoins were and how they would be regulated. Uh, are they an asset? Is it a currency? Is it a commodity? But now the agency that's actually regulating it is the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission. So we're getting closer to some oversight. One thing is for sure, 
It's hot right now. And as of the taping of this podcast, one Bitcoin was worth $60,000. Now, to put that into some perspective, on May 22nd, back in 2010, two large Papa John pizzas was purchased with 10,000 Bitcoins. The value of those 10,000 Bitcoins at that time was $40. Today, those same 10,000 Bitcoins are worth $600,000. Can you say insane? Wow, what a ride. So I want to look at this from a point of view of investments that are not in the norm, but still basically understandable. Now, when I think about art as an investment, I think of it as an inflation hedge, a type of asset you put in your portfolio that can not only offset the negative effects of inflation, but also be enjoyed, held, or maybe hung on your wall. Everyone can basically understand art. Well, even the old, dusty, conservative, and traditional world of investable art is being disrupted by fintech. Now we have the creation of NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, and this has rocked the art world. The creation of digitized art. Yeah, the creation of digitized art like video clips, audio files, and even tweets is generating tens of millions of financial transactions. These NFTs are made possible by blockchain technology, but it's being driven by Bitcoin millions. All these people who have made tens of millions of dollars in Bitcoin are now spending that Bitcoin by driving up the price of these NFTs, hoping that they would rise in value and grow their wealth even further. They don't see it in some cases as actual money. It's, it doesn't take on the same feel and look as currency that we are used to having so it's really disrupting the market disrupting the world for good or bad time will tell well you know i had to bring in an art guru to explain this to me from the art side so i want you to welcome to the show owner of the ens gallery mr walter shannon first let me introduce you as the world famous walter shannon walter marcellus montilio duke oh. of earl underdog shannon jr What's up, James Marshall? Hey, man. All right, man. I'm just glad you can be with us on the world-famous ENS Gallery and the resident guru of all things art. And my podcast, 100 Wealth Building Secrets, we want to touch on this whole idea of is this phenomenon of digital art affecting using art as an inflation hedge in your investment portfolio? When I talk to clients about buying investable art, I say think of it as a piece of your portfolio that acts as an inflation hedge that you can put on the wall and enjoy and know that it will be some appreciation that you can pass on to generations. Do so you think there will be a disruption with what's going on in the art world with the digital art? I don't think so. I really think that it's just another entity that will either survive or not survive. There's always something new. This is extremely new. I think that some people will embrace it and a whole lot of people won't embrace it. You look at the art world, it's very traditional, it's very old school, it's very stuffy, it's very blue blood. Sure. And it seems like uh, there is a there is a change coming. But I wonder if a person can digitize a baseball trading card, can you digitize your existing artwork that you that you've purchased and, and then have it in the digital world? I mean, I don't know how you would display this because of the fact that, you know, still you have a home that has walls. So mm -hmm. when you digitize it, do you superimpose it on the wall? How do you see it? Mm -hmm. So right. when I digitize a piece of artwork just to the computer, yeah. uh, do I superimpose it on the wall and leave it up there for a while? No, I don't know enough about it to start to invest in with things like Bitcoin. 
You know, it kind of goes back to what uh, Bill Gates did uh, years ago. He actually had art walls in his house, digital art walls, uh, mm-hmm. famous art pieces. He would just kind of, I could see where a person might be able to uh, display it in, in that way. But the whole idea of a token, a ledger, if you will, based on blockchain. But, you know, that's 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 the gamble. So I, I just wonder if that even has a place of reality in a world of art where touching and feeling and smelling is so vital to making a decision on what to invest. I think that there is a, a, a generation that look at, that looks for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are people who collect a lot of things that we didn't really think of collecting years ago. Look mm-hmm. at these people that have these multi-million dollar sneaker collections. Yeah, good point. And then look at Bitcoin. You know, who would have thought that Bitcoin would be what? 50? It hit 60000 today. Okay, $60,000 per coin. Right. But I wonder, if, can you see a time where there will be an art gallery that specializes in digital art? It's not even a physical space. It's online, it's all digital, and it's actually facilitating transactions of this type. It would have to be somebody brokering this product. So I would say yes, because someone has put a seller and the buyer together. Can you tell me or tell my listeners, what is the best way to get started in buying investable art? If you look at art like you look at stock, I tell people all the time, when you're buying art, there is penny stock, there's mid cap and there's blue chip. So a lot of times when you're buying a new artist, an artist that doesn't have much of a track record, you're buying penny stock. Penny stock is normally something that you have to hold for decades a lot of times in order to reap benefit. Most of these artists, especially these old artists that are selling a lot of art at high prices now, they came from the 30s and the 40s. Their prices have accumulated over the years. Sure, you're going to have the Hyundai Wileys and some like that people that during their own generations, they reaped a lot of the benefits. But the thing about it is that when you buy a piece of artwork and you're putting it in your portfolio, just remember how that art's going to fit into your portfolio. Mm -hmm. If you're going to buy artwork that you're looking to turn a profit as soon as possible, you're going to need to buy some blue chip art. You're going to need to come up with quite a bit of money in order to buy artists where years will give you a major return. Well, was it better to identify an artist and start building a inventory of their works? Or is it better to have more diversified portfolio of, of art from different artists? As a collector, I only buy what I like. Buy what you like. Just know what you're buying. What, what I like about uh, collectibles and things that can give you value is that you get a chance to enjoy them. Right. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy your investment, that piece of artwork that you have hanging behind you. I would suggest to anyone that is thinking about it to find a great dealer like myself Mm -hmm. and have a conversation. I want to start and this is where I want to start at. These are the kind of prices that I'm comfortable with so that we can help guide you and give you the best thing that you can get in the price points that you want to live in. I would I would one thing that I would like to warn people, you guys should be very, very careful about going to auctions and buying artwork. 
you don't know what that artwork looks like once right. you frame off of it. Mm-hmm. So back to what I'm saying, find a great art dealer, find a great artist, deal with them. Yeah. And, you know, art has always been fickle, but it seems to me also that there has been a uh, resurgence in mm-hmm. popularity of black art in particular. I agree. It seems to be a big thing with uh uh, a lot of posters that are popping up. So can you explain what is the difference between a print, a serial graph, a mm-hmm. artist proof, and then the, of course, original piece? So look at it this way. This is how I explain artwork. Well, let's talk about one artist. That original, I would call that the Rolls Royce coming from an artist. Gotcha. Because it's the piece that that artist painted or created. The next thing is fine art printing which the Library of Congress recognizes as fine art, which would fall into the old ways of printing, original lithography, sonography, and engravings. Anything that's around that area is considered fine art. So that would be the Mercedes of that artist. Then you would have Giclés, which they call that fine art Giclés. I don't know really where Giclés fall because of the fact it's totally mechanical. Wow. Yeah. So then what you have is what everybody used to chase is offset lithography, which is basically Mm -hmm. a magazine page. It's printed on a web press, pulling four colors together. It's made for large. the, The whole process was made to produce magazines and so on and so forth, high volume stuff. That's why you find the additions of 2000, 1500, uh, a process that that a lot of artists used to use. They don't use it as much as they used to. So they signed and number those. Mm-hmm. After that, it would be like on, when, when we remember when Cosby came on and over the fireplace was a piece by Ellis Wilson called right. Recession. Right. That's an offset. That's an offset lithograph that is not signed or numbered. Hmm. So that would be a tricycle. Okay. It starts. So if you want decorative art that you may replace often, that's what you would want to buy. So that you stuff you might buy in Marshalls or TJ Maxx. Yeah. Why did yeah. you call it Marshalls? Just because of your last name. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> good coming yeah. tongue, you know? <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that you would normally buy in large department stores. Right. You would right. normally be framed nicely and things like that. But there would never be any value in them under normal circumstances because supply and demand. When mm-hmm. we run out of them, we just print some more. Right. That's one thing that is great about limited editions and you adding artwork to your portfolio. Mm-hmm. You have to add something that there is a beginning and an end. Otherwise, mm-hmm. if you don't. But but uh, collecting these artists is a wonderful thing. There's a synergy there because what you're really talking about is the clearinghouse. When we talk about investments, we talk about this thing with Bitcoin. It's got to be a clearinghouse. Mm-hmm. And that clearinghouse sets the value. So with that being said, is the solution to maintaining the value of black art more Black-owned galleries? More Black-owned galleries and more, if you're going to have auction houses, more uh, African-American-owned auction houses, more Black curators who are actually demanding and setting the true value of this work in which we're getting more and more uh, uh, curators. I'm glad that my wife, Kathy, 
is getting her master's and we will be starting to deal in areas that we haven't been dealing in to hold the value of this work because of the fact that I don't care what you say, most African-American artists sold to African-Americans. There you have it. I, I hope that you at least are taking away this concept that investments are not just stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and real estate. Uh, art can be a very effective component of your investment portfolio. I like to see it as an inflation hedge and I like to enjoy it on the wall. I am a collector myself. But the other thing to take away is cryptocurrency or financial technology should not be feared, but it should be understood before you venture out into those waters. Before you start investing in Bitcoin, understand what it is, how it works. How are you going to get your money back out? Before you buy art using NFTs, understand the regulation behind it. Is the value something that's tangible. So all these things are important. At the end of the day, go back to what Warren Buffett always says. If you don't understand the investment, you shouldn't be in it. Well, till next time, keep building wealth. Peace. You have been listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. Keep increasing your knowledge by going to marshallyourmoney.com and check out our educational videos, newsletters, and calculators. There you can also sign up for your free copy of his book, 100 Wealth Building Secrets. Like this podcast and follow it on podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media platforms, Facebook, Black Family Wealth, Twitter, James Marshall at Marshall Wealth, Instagram, Marshall Wealth, LinkedIn, James Marshall, and on YouTube, James Marshall Financial Educator. Email your questions or thoughts to james at marshallyourmoney.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, we build wealth one family at a time. We'll be spilling out with them dividends. I'll teach you how to say. Rule number one, if it ain't making money, it ain't making sense.